All right then. Um, today I'll be sharing on something we we had at Pilgrimage 17. Um, it's called Release and Breakthrough, and uh, we're gonna condense it in the 30 minutes we have. All right. Um, something John said there. Just I want to use as an entrance to to get into the the, the talk this morning. Um, when John was saying, "The Lord is my shepherd." I shall not want. And um, that's a very powerful statement. It, it talks about God being with us. So the battle that we are in, we're not alone. All right? So um, as we talk about release and breakthrough, let's keep that as a truth. That God is ever present. He is with us. And he never leaves us alone. But um, we have a responsibility as well. All right? We could, ex we could exchange that word shepherd for probably general. The Lord is my general. Yeah? And... Um, though he is the shepherd, the sheep still have a responsibility to follow. Is that true? Yeah? So, you cannot abandon following and then say, but God, you said you are my shepherd when you find yourself off course or in a ditch. All right? Following the shepherd allows you to get the protection that the shepherd gives. Okay? So, the Lord is my shepherd or the Lord is my general and generals obey. And we've been talking a few weeks ago about obeying. So, um, you know, scripture in 2 Timothy talks about um, being enlisted as a soldier. Probably you could bring that up, Jacob. Nimble fingers. 2 Timothy 2.4. It says, no one that is a soldier gets entangled in the affairs of this life. Okay? Um, but he's mindful. Yeah. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. All right? So what the scripture is emphasizing there is that this life we live, there is a set prescribed agenda that the shepherd or the general has for us. You don't live by those rules, you become entangled. You don't live by those rules, you don't win the race. Okay? Um, and remember what we're talking about today, the banner? Being released and breakthrough. And a lot of us, we seek release and breakthrough from behaviors or habits or, or thoughts and mindsets. All right? You identify with that? When you hear the word release and breakthrough, I'm talking about people who are in Christ. Okay? Your spirit has already been reborn, and you are seeking to find yourself established in a position where you are victorious. But I've had seasons in my life, even walking in, the, in, in this walk of faith, where I feel burdened and worn down, and like, I'm not winning. I feel lonely. Any of you have felt lonely, downtrodden, beaten, behaviors and habits Behaviors and habits that you think that you had under control are still overpowering you. And you're saying, God, where is this salvation? Yeah? So, we're going to find out how to experience living in everyday affairs in the victory that God has called for us and winning the race that is set before us. All right? If we just go to 1 Corinthians 19, 1 Corinthians 9, 26. 
So there's a deception. There's a the deception in this life is that All right, all of us were kids. I know that for certain, but some of us have kids right now. All right, and uh, some of our kids, or we, may have been afraid of the dark. Anybody was afraid of the dark when they were young? Probably embarrass yourself in front of your kids now. <laughs> yeah? Anybody still afraid of the dark? Let me see who is brave. All right, there are some brave ones around us. Now, what we are afraid of in the dark, we're probably afraid of something coming out from below the bed in the cupboard or, 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 or something coming to hurt us. Let me see anybody who anything ever came out from below the bed and hurt you. <laughs> what hurts you? Oh, bugs. Those are in the bed, not under the bed. <laughs> all right, so look, the thing that we fear, we have all come true and it's not materialized. But being in that position, try to convince you that that thing is not real. You can't. You know, I, uh, in my home, um, I found myself at home a couple times when I was um, in my early teens. And even at that age, I was terrified. My dad had this idea he's going to build a house for all of us to move into. So it was, you know, reasonably large. But also, there were high ceilings. And uh, bats used to sometimes fly in the, in the Bowel of the house, they used to come in through some high windows and get inside there. And when you're there alone and you hear a fluttering noise, it used to absolutely terrify me. But, you know, as time grew, I grew a bit, Katie, I wouldn't love this. I, I used to get tennis rackets <laughs> and my sister's teddy bear. And when I overcome the fear, I would show the teddy bear, I locked the door so they can't get out. But I've repented of those things, yeah? And I used to play lawn tennis with the bats. But I, I overcome the fear. But there was a time where that fear gripped me, and the whistling of that curtain or the noise of those bats absolutely drove me terrified that something was going to kill me. But those fears weren't, they were, they weren't legitimate fears, okay? Nothing came out of the dark to hurt me. And in this life, the deception of the enemy is to make you believe that that thing Mark was reading out in that song and singing about, that your soul can die, that your soul could be separated from God. All right? And we probably will go to it in the end, Romans 8, the latter verses, that talks about nothing separating you from the love of God. So, breakthrough and fear, the enemy has power over us when he seeks to say to you, I will kill you, or this will be your portion. You will never remove from this. And then we feel oppressed, downcast, and trodden, and we can't stand in the power that God has given us. But this scripture says this, all right? So we talked about following the shepherd, the general. This is now 1 Corinthians 9, 26, where Paul is saying to them, therefore I run in such a way and not without aim. I am not boxing in such a way as beating the air, but I discipline my body, and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And what Paul was emphasizing in this chapter, he was saying, hey, I understand that I'm a soldier enlisted. I understand that I want to experience the breakthrough and the victory in Jesus, but I will not do that by just putting all the lights on. And I will not do that by just surrounding myself with a crowd of people. 
I understand that the battle I fight is something bigger than darkness or the sound of bat's wings in the air, okay? And that, in our spiritual walk, is what we need to understand. The battle we fight is not a battle of getting a job or getting a leg healed or whatever. We fight a different battle. Let me, let me, let me, let me buttress that point to you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, it says here, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What other version you have there? Okay, do you have any other one? NIV? Let's see what NIV says. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every presentation that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And if you go through the whole Gospels, there's a constant emphasis on battles in the invisible realm. In fact, that was the thing that the Jews had a problem with Jesus with. I thought you were the one promised to deliver us from these Romans. Why don't you bring your guys or rouse all of us up so we get victory from this natural realm? And Jesus keeps saying that he's not really interested in the affairs here. So also I'm saying to you, the breakthrough, if we don't look for a real breakthrough, you will grab the counterfeit. If you're not looking for the breakthrough in the warfare that God has enlisted you in, all you will do is just have light bulbs and people around you, and that still will not give you victory, but it will appease your fear, okay? And I'm saying to you, the breakthrough and the victory that we are called to find in God is not a breakthrough within this realm of life. It is not from circumstances. It is not from being home alone. In fact, if we read that scripture that John was quoting, the Lord is my shepherd, it talks about the valley of death, yeah? Having no fear, yeah? And what God is calling us to is a place where we cast fear outside. And if we cast fear outside, then we come into a very lively hope. We are going beyond circumstances. I've seen a lot of blank looks. So let me, let me see if I buttress um, that. Where else I could go? Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 6. about verse 9. All right, 6. 9. All right, keep it there. 9, that's not 9. Uh, go back to, go back to 9. Not... All right, stop at, start at 11, and I will just summarize um, in five minutes. Okay, thank you. Thanks, John. Okay, so 
That's no easy child. Who's is it? <laughs> Casey, Casey. Shh. Okay. Um, I'm saying the battle is not a battle in this realm, but it's a battle in thoughts and in mindsets. And if we're victorious there, then we could walk confidently in life because life will throw circumstances at you that says to you, this is what you need to fight or this is what you need to overcome. And by doing that, life dictates your agenda. Therefore, you're not becoming obedient to the shepherd or the general, but you're coming obedient to circumstances. So I'm going to come to that, which is a continuation of what we read in uh, 2 Corinthians is it 2 Corinthians 10? 10, where it says the weapon of our warfare are not carnal. So we're going to come to that. But I want to summarize from Ephesians 1 down to Ephesians 6 so that we understand. Because this is not the agenda. The agenda is something else. But we sometimes get consumed by fighting life circumstances. Okay? So Ephesians 1 and, and, and to, to 5 is talking about the rich inheritance we have in Christ, the price that he has paid, the, 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 the rich resource that God poured into the earth through the, the apostles and the prophets, the, the, the communion that we're supposed to have one with the other, loving the saints. And he says, as you do all those things and you're having all that joint supply, God will bring you into the fullness of him being in us and we in him. All right? We'll have that rich deposit of the Holy Spirit. But go back to Ephesians 5. But then Christ, don't Christ, Paul then starts to say to the Ephesians, there is something that I want you to make sure you do while focusing on those things. You focus on those things. He says, husbands, love your wives. Remember that scripture? In Ephesians 5, anyone know that? Husband, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Servants, honor your masters. No, masters, treat your servants without threatening. And bond servants, um, serve your masters with fears unto God. And I find that's really interesting because even after God talks to us about all the riches that we have in Jesus... He then says, there's a level of order in your lifestyle that is required so that you don't bring that thing into disrepute. All right? So we're living in the authority of Christ. The Spirit of God is coming towards us. We're having love and communion with each other. It's an open show to show the glory of God. But God says, make sure that husbands are loving wives, wives are submitted to husbands, um, Children obey parents. Masters treat your servants well. Servants honor your, your, your masters so that you don't bring the gospel into disrepute. But then he just makes these final statements in, in um, Ephesians 6, which I find is quite interesting for my breakthrough. Because I'm saying, God, but I want you to deliver me from this. So I'm praying to you for that. But he says, you know what? Those things you deal with with your armor. You deal with the circumstances with your armor. What does that mean? I don't believe soldiers live every day in their armor. Their armor is to protect them against the enemy. But when I look at the life of Jesus, he didn't openly go and engage in warfare with the devil. In fact, 
he pretty much ignored the devil every time he turned up. And then after his death, they sent him down to hell in the grave to go and take the keys. And he took the keys and he came back up. Yeah? So, I said, if Jesus, who was all-powerful, who understands the power of the devil, didn't get drawn into everyday fighting demons and fighting devils, he understood the power he has, then there is some deception that is in life that says to me that I have to be fighting every day Satan and these evil thoughts. You know, I need to use the armor to protect me from them. But once protected, I need to be busy about doing something else. And, you know, for a long time, I used to imagine the devil as this guy with horns and very evil. And, 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 and um, you know, if I see him, he will terrify me. But Satan don't present himself that way. Yeah? In fact, I, you know, I was sharing here once and I was saying, Satan is found sometime in the presence of God. He used to be found, you know. Job 1.7 says, the sons of God came before God and Satan was there in the midst. Yeah? We know that scripture? And, um, and many other scriptures talk about it. He says, he is like a roaring lion going through and through the earth. But as children, we grow up fearing a man with horns that is evil and very horrible looking and going to kill us. Okay? So I'm saying, that is boxing the wind. Believing that we're fighting something evil or we're getting light to keep us away from something evil. But the real battle is a battle in the mind. A stronghold and thoughts. It is not circumstances. It is not the enemy being a dark situation. The battle is deliverance. The battle is obeying God. And in Ephesians 6, it says, put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the devil's schemes. It talks about this in Peter as well, First Peter. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against power of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we go on. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the saints. All right then, so I'm going to link this to some scriptures in the, in the next eight, nine minutes uh, before we conclude. So, as I always say, go and look at it so that you could um, support the point um, that, that, that I'm sharing on and, and see if it's so, yeah, and discuss it among yourselves. So very interesting, Ephesians 6 finishes with the armor that I'm suggesting to you is a defense against the wiles of the enemy but it's not the agenda of our lives. But if we give in to the enemy, the enemy will seek to say to you, you are oppressed, 
you are locked into certain behaviors. You cannot have victory in Christ or that you're condemned simply because he keeps saying to you, you are a slave of something that you're not a slave of. Okay? And um, often in that state, you will look for breakthrough. You will look for somebody to pray for you. You will look for some divine intervention to deliver you from something that Christ has already paid the price to deliver you from. And we all sang the song this morning. Yeah? So when, is, there was a phrase in the song, Mark, about when guilt or sin, condemnation. Yeah? Yeah? When all those things flood in, what the enemy is trying to say to you is that you're still a slave. But we know we are victorious. Because the song said, as we look to him through the eyes of Jesus, we understand that those things don't remain. Okay? There is therefore now, what? Let's finish it. No condemnation. To whom? To those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Every time you have a thought that says you're unworthy, or the enemy floods your mind with a thought that seeks to say, this is your life, it is counteracting that scripture. It is coming against, contradicting that scripture, which is the truth. That there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, Paul did something in the Romans. He says, that don't give you license to go on sinning. <laughs> okay? But please accept there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, breakthrough and victory, I want to suggest to us, is more about walking in obedience to Christ rather than trying to break ourselves free from sin or circumstance. Let me say that again. Breakthrough is more walking in obedience to Christ rather than seeking a deliverance from a circumstance or some stumble of sin. And if the devil could keep you believing that your breakthrough is in that realm, circumstance, victories, and sin, transgression, then you will never stand confidently and powerfully in the blood of Jesus. And therefore, you will be a soldier entangled in the affairs of life rather than in the race that God has enlisted you in. All right? So, uh, um, breakthrough is something more than a deliverance over circumstance. Yeah? Um, interesting. In Hebrews, we looked at Hebrews 4 to 6. You don't need to go there, Jacob. That talked about, you know, in Hebrews 4, about the word of God being like a sharp two-edged sword, dividing between the soul and the spirit and the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that's very important because what's happening there is that you could start to believe some of the thoughts that are arrayed against you <coughs> is actually your thoughts. Yeah? And don't understand that that is the enemy seeking to arrange the agenda of your mind. But you could take those thoughts upon yourself and you could start thinking them. Yeah? And that is why Paul spoke to the Galatians and others and asked who has bewitched you and saying unto them, do not again make yourself enslaved to things that you have already walked away from. Help me out. Give me some feedback. You know those scriptures, yeah? I'm not making this up. This is not my words. <laughs> All right? So he says, you have been liberated. 
So don't walk again according to the lust of the flesh, to the things that you have been freed from. But live life according to the Spirit because that gives you life in Christ. So what Paul was seeking to do there is to say, hey, sin no longer define you. You're not living under the law. You're living as life in Christ. He says, um, Jews were close. The Greeks, which is the Gentiles, were a bit further. But the gospel of peace was preached to all of you to bring you close. All right? Both came close. The Jews and the Greeks. We both came close to God. And the life we now live, we live in the spirit. Because we live in the spirit, even though we stumble and we fall, we have an advocate with the Father making petition for us. Therefore, our only occupation is like Jesus. And he said it in Hebrews. Though, no, he also said it in, in, in Philippians 2. He said, though he was God, he sought not, not robbery to be counted equal to God, but he came to the earth and he subjected himself. Okay? He, Jesus, who was the word, was with God, came into the earth, subjected himself in this vessel of clay, and he, in Hebrews it talks about he learned obedience by the things, is it Hebrews says that? Somebody help me. Learned obedience by the things he suffered. And he said, by making prayers and supplications, yeah, which was heard before the Father, he gained a victory. And it's very interesting that this scripture in Ephesians is telling us to do the same thing. That by prayer and supplications, by obedience to God, we gain a victory. But Ephesians 6 um, from verse 11 is the things that people often quote when they find themselves in adversity. You know, that sense of God, please remember your promises. I want to take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Those things happen because you have focused those things will happen as a consequence if you focus on the right things first, which is the will of God. And I find it very interesting. My breakthrough, when the Bible says the shield of faith that quenched the fiery darts of the, en the, the enemy, I say, God, you're really telling me that my belief in you is the thing that causes all those assaults of thoughts to fall to the ground? And he says, yes. He says, yes. He says, didn't I say that in Hebrews 12, that, um, you know, those whom he loves, he chastens. We know that scripture? Those whom God loves, he chastens. He allows circumstances to come upon you. And what those circumstances produce in you? Huh? It produces character. It produces endurance. So some of the breakthrough and the victory or the deliverance we ask God for, what we ask in God is to stop his processes upon our lives. Let me just say that again. Sometimes when you're in prayer and asking God, stop this thing, what you're actually saying is, God, stop loving me. Stop perfecting me. Take me out of the refiner's fire. Leave these impurities here because I don't know if they could really come out. I don't want your face to be seen inside of me. I don't want to look in the mirror. It's okay to forget that which I've seen in your word. And I believe God is calling us to something more. Anybody can agree with me? I believe God is calling us to something more.
And probably something I should have established at the start, let me just say about it now. Look, inside of this vessel, I have a spirit, all right? It's been come alive when Jesus, when I gave my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But I do not believe, I'm happy for somebody to prove me, show me elsewhere. I do not believe Satan dwells inside of me or he dwells in any of you if you're in name with Christ. All right? As I often say, there's no timeshare inside of this temple of God. Okay? There's no apartments. There's no first floor flat and second floor flat. There is no, what's that multi-home occupation for those landlords among us? Yeah? Inside of this vessel, only the spirit of God dwells. He has made my spirit alive. But what happens inside of this vessel, I could give myself to seducing spirits and seducing thoughts. Because the enemy, he walks about the earth as a roaring lion, seeking to devour us. All right? He did it with Job, didn't he? He said, look, I've chested this guy, but he's still standing. You know what? But if you remove this hedge, you allow me to touch his flesh, or you allow me to touch his children, I'm sure these circumstances will cause him to repent and to, 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 um, to think against you. I'm sure if you allow me to do these things so his wife and his friends turn their back on him, I'm sure he will turn his back and curse you. But Job stood faithful. And we know a time he came to a place of questioning God, but you know, God was able to, to give him insight and that he repented of those. So, release and breakthrough. What am I saying to you this morning? I'm saying release and breakthrough. What you should be seeking for is to understand the agenda of heaven, Ephesians 1 to 6 verse 10. As you do that, and as you take faith, as you stand under salvation, as you are quick to use the gospel of peace, which is to reconcile, like, like in Genesis 13, what Abraham did with Lot, when he had a discord with him, he, he, he said, hey, choose which place you will go, yeah? As you use peace to resolve issues, not seeking your own vindication in this life, as you use the sword of the spirit to help you divide between your thoughts and the intents of the heart, that thing which is God or just a random thought coming against you, as you use, what else is there? As you use the belt of truth, truth is the nature of God revealed, all right? As you allow the nature of God to surround your loins, God, you are my shepherd. God is good. As you use those things to surround you, you come into a place where you could stand against the wiles of the enemy. And the Bible says, having done all to stand, then stand. Yeah? And then my prayer, or not my prayer, my confidence is that just like Jesus or a forerunner, even if the cross is what is asked of us, we will be able to say, not my will, but thy will be done. And we will not seek a deliverance in this life. But whether we have victory, or like it says, some lost their, their loved ones, their, you know, those martyrs, we will stand faithful and allow God to give us a victory that is in him, that his nature will have a chance, whether in prosperity of life or in the loss of things, we will give God a chance to reveal himself in this life. Okay? I try to summarize in 30 minutes. We have come to, at the end of 30 minutes. All right, so as I hand back over to John, let's just, let's just pray for a minute or two. Um, Father God, I ask you to go beyond my words. 
and cause the seed of your kingdom to be stirred in the hearts of the brethren today. Father God, I'm asking that for everything that comes against them, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, it will be brought low. Father God, I pray, God, that you'll give each of us a revelation that the warfare that we are enlisted in is not a revelation, O oh God, of this life, of circumstance. That the enemy of our souls, he has already been defeated. That we have no issue, O oh God, with coming of being enslaved again to fear. God, I pray as we go back and we read Romans 8, we will understand the power that you have wrought it, that we can be called the sons of God. Father God, and I pray, O oh God, as we come forward revealing, O oh God, creation will no longer hope, but creation will see the manifestation of your sons. Father God, and nothing shall separate us from your love. And I thank you, God, that I have complete breakthrough in that which Christ has done. I have complete breakthrough because I walk in obedience. Father God, and I will become your praise in the earth because your word is yea and amen. You are the Alpha and the Omega, and I am the fulfillment of the promises that you have said, that you will dwell and be seen in us, and the Holy Spirit will bring us to all truth. So thank you for the beautification as I die. Thank you, O oh God, for the beautification as I take up my cross. And Father God, thank you that it's no longer hands that live. It is no longer Jacob that lives. It's no longer Debbie that lives, but Christ that lives inside of us. So join our hearts, join our testimonies, and let every testimony point back to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. I thank you, God. Bless your name. Um, I had a picture.